0: When we did "Let It Be a Dance" earlier, how many of you know, that that are familiar with the song noticed that the melody was different? Yeah. We've been doing it one way for a very long time in this congregation. I inherited that way of singing it, that melody line, from my predecessor or one of my predecessors. Um, And I picked it up from there and started playing it on guitar and Susan learned the right music. But I never questioned, but I never questioned the way that it had been passed on to me. So I never even looked at the music to consider whether I was doing it properly or not. I just looked at the words. That reminds me of a story um, you may have heard before. Um, I went into the kitchen to ask my mother uh, how to fix a pot roast and she she decided to fix one and show me and she began by cutting the ends off and, you know, doing the other preparation and, you know, went step by step and showed me everything. So I went home and I tried to make one myself. And the first thing I did was cut the ends off. And, uh, but it occurred to me that I didn't know what made that step necessary. So I went back and I asked my mother, why do you cut the ends off of the roast? And she said, because my mother did. And so we went to ask her mother, why did you cut the ends off of the roast? And she said, because it wouldn't fit in the pan any other way. (laughs) There's a whole lot around us that encourages us not to be curious and not to ask questions, right? And we can ask questions about a whole lot of stuff, But if you Google famous questions, some of the things that'll come up first are the JFK speech, um, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, which incidentally was written by Ted Sorenson, who is a Unitarian Universalist. Uh, The next thing that comes along is which came first, the chicken or the egg? Or was that, why did the chicken cross the road? Um, I don't know. But clearly, what kind of questions you ask makes a lot of difference. So Unitarian Universalists have the reputation of being big on questions and short on answers, thus shaping ours as a perpetual journey and therefore particularly challenging. Some of this is true. But I think we waste a lot of time and energy unless we're asking the right questions. Not saying that there's only one, or uh, that my right question is the same as yours. But over the last few years, our denomination has been asking us questions. The first one that they started with um, in a particular part of the movement was, Whose are we? Whose am I? Whose are we? Uh, they had workshops and and seminars and curricula built around this. And then they followed that on the on the heels of that. They followed it with who is our neighbor which is stuff that's circulating now. And, of course, this reflects the Jewish-Christian part of our roots, and the source uh, you know, reference is the story of the Good Samaritan, which teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But in the late 70s and the early 80s, a period of great skepticism following the Vietnam War There were multitudes of scientists and professors that joined our tradition, and it was not uncommon at that time to find banners or t-shirts, sweatshirts, we had t-shirts and sweatshirts, um, but banners or posters in our congregations around the country that said, the answer is to question. If that's true, then three- and four-year-olds have the answers all sewn up. (laughs) Their famously relentless loop of why would put almost any adult to shame, scientists included. But I don't think it's true that those children have stumbled into the ultimate answers. Not yet. They're just starting their journeys. They come in, I think, knowing things that we forget the longer we're here. But life, I think, is a lot about relearning them in a new light, coming back to the place we started and knowing it for the first time. One might say, a scientist or seeker must always remain fascinated with the questions. But that is only partially true because asking questions without letting them lead you beyond a loop of questions it's a colossal waste of time scientists and seekers both are about learning to ask the right questions what questions are right for each of you like I said may be very different from the ones that are important to me, but discerning which question draws you on toward something deeper, toward truer living and nearer to your own spirit, that place in you where the holy abides. A longing that pulls you home. draws that spirit through us so it permeates life, that most beautiful and precious self. From where I sit, who is a question of responsibility? What is a question of substance or essence? When is a question of priority and time orientation? Where is a question of presence? How is a question of practice? And why is a question of ultimacy or rationale. And because I think there's a whole lot that from our limited comprehension is paradoxical and not fully graspable, ultimacy can't be determined where we are, so I think we can keep asking why, but I don't know that it will carry us. It doesn't carry me anyplace. I'm not sure uh, that it's a satisfying question. It may be one that leads us on. As a child, when I was told, when I would ask why, I was always told because. I actually heard myself say that once as a parent, and I was horrified. But the ones that always got me the most were because I said so. Because was a little more open-ended, and I'm afraid that as a child, the results that answer gave my parents were not necessarily the ones that particularly thrilled them. But once upon a time, I went on a sort of a vision quest Seeking an answer to a particular why question, though I can't honestly remember what the question was. Before the experience was over, I had discovered that why was not my question. That I was asking the wrong question because I found the answers that I sought And they didn't answer the question why. I know I used to ask a lot of uh, questions like, why is there always war? My father and I would debate that one at some length in his den. Or why when the world has abundant food? Are there always hungry people? And why, when the world just has abundance, are there poor? Why should we care? Why do people have to make so many mistakes before we learn? Why, with centuries of language and art and myriad expressions, why can we still never fully know another human being or even ourselves? And why can another human being never fully know us? Why are we here? often why, took me to very dark, moody places. So typically, it served me best if it was a touchstone, but not a motivating, driving question. If I can't resolve the rhetoric of chickens which came first, why did I cross the road? Why should, we, why should I expect to be able to untangle the mysteries that started before humankind and the material world we let dominate our experience and extend beyond the universes that are, go farther than we have yet fathomed? Again, as our two to four-year-old trailblazers demonstrate, there's no end to this question. In the classic comedy routine by Abbott and Costello, why is out in left field? About as far from home as you can get, unless, of course, you're just a spectator. the music in the offertory asked simple questions. If not us, not them, but if now, then when? If not here or there, if not this world, then where? Hillel the Elder, born in Babylon in 10, no, in 110 B.C.E one of the most famous Jewish leaders and one of the most important figures in Jewish history is given credit for the ethic of reciprocity, which we call the golden rule in our culture. The way he phrased it, or the way he is accredited with phrasing it, is that which is hateful to you do not do to your fellow. But it was also he who formulated the question, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? And when I am for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? I think they're better questions than why. Who? Responsibility. Who shall lead them? A small child? Who sets the standard? Who are these people? Whose are we? Who am I? Who are you? What? The question of substance. What is mine to do? What is my purpose, my calling, my true nature? What shall the standard be? What really matters to me, to you, to us? And what makes that so? When, I really don't want to go much farther than... If not now, then when? But where, like I said, is a question of presence. Where are we? Where are we in this journey? Where are we in this moment? Where are we going? Heaven knows. According to ya. Still in any given moment, the only place I can be is right where I am. And it's there that peace waits, that God, as we are given to understand, God waits. This moment. How is a practice question. How shall I live? Seek justice. Love mercy, walk humbly with the sacred. How can we accomplish what's ours to do? How do we know what is ours to do? And with why is ultimately, maybe it's an easy question. But if we get into the loop of why, 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 we can get stuck there and stop our own progress. Why should we bother to do the right thing or try to improve our character or help those around us or care for the planet that so obviously is in in bad shape? I'd say because. You know what's your truth. You know what you are called to do. You know when you are integrity with that deepest spiritual part of yourself. Yes, I think recognizing what questions are yours to chase is important. At the same time, we must not let the unknown or not knowing drive us to distraction or despair. Sometimes when we feel overwhelmed, it's simply because we're asking the wrong question. Renier Maria, Maria Rilke wrote, "Have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books written in a foreign language. Do not now look for the answers." They cannot now be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question of experiencing. At present, you need to live the questions. Perhaps you will gradually, without even noticing it, find yourself experiencing the answer some distant day.